What's going down people? Welcome to a bonus episode of Echo Chamber. Um, after a successful UK premiere last night, Thursday evening, today I had the opportunity to speak with Martin Gooch and Krista DeMille about Black Flowers and um, yeah, just how it came together, how they became collaborators, just the whole process. So, um, hey, sit back and enjoy, and I uh, hope, oh, yeah, listen up. Okay, so I'm here with Martin Gooch and Krista DeMille, the talented individuals behind Black Flowers that debuted at the Sci-Fi London. Um, yeah, I, I, I went to the premiere yesterday and I really enjoyed it. Brilliant. You know, I, I think going in, I was, I think I was expecting a serious, like, you know what I mean, a, a serious kind of dystopian film. And so, the, the humour caught me off. But then you realise, you, you, you realise what it is, and you're like, ah, okay, and you fully absorb it and get into it. But, like, so when you kind of were thinking of the concept, like, how did you kind of find the tone for it? Uh, well, I think... That it fits the tone of my previous work. So, like, if you've seen any of my other films, then you'll sort of get it. But there's a lot of post-apocalyptic films out there, and all of them are depressing and have sad endings. You know, I mean, I think Planet of the Apes is brilliant, and it's obviously a very negative ending, and The Road is a great film, but it's a very depressing it film. It is bleak. It's bleak. It's definitely bleak. Yeah, and there's so many... And, and I just thought, you know, if we're going to tackle a post-apocalyptic film... We need to have an ever so slightly different angle on it. And our angle is it, it, there's an element of uh, positivity and it's, uh, the ending of the film is an up rather than a down. Yes. And that's sort of the basis. And when, when I was structuring the whole of the script, I wanted it to be uh, not totally dark and negative. And also all of my films have elements of, of, of comedy and, and uh, you know, the, the, the positive side of the human condition rather yeah. than pure yeah, darkness. Yeah, yeah. I have to say I was I was very happy with the end because as it when it as it looked I was a bit like no they can't no I don't want them to no and then my man DJ turned up and I was like okay yeah. nice and yeah I liked the fact that it was just like you know what I mean change their minds let's do this and I was like okay yeah. great I, I, I really enjoyed yeah just that kind of you know it doesn't give too much away but it leaves you with the possibility and the hope yes and I like that yeah so did you play around with any other endings well Martin did play around with a few endings. I think that's, yeah, that's for you, Martin, because that's, uh, yeah, that's in the writing. Well, funnily enough, the yeah. first version of the film, 
uh, when I started writing it, the original title yeah. was The Big Oops. Yes. <laughs> so the very, very, very first draft was The Big Oops. Yeah. Because um, I was just thinking, you know, if we ever have a nuclear war, it's a big oops. It's a really mistake. It's really a positive humor. thing. So, so was there going to be a scene where Kate went, ooh, Susie, I did an oopsie. Oh, that's that's, uh, that's uh, what's his face, Frank Spencer. Yeah. Uh, well, it was more, it was more like the, it, it just in passing in conversation with someone would say something like, oh, you know, I was in California when the big, oop, big oops happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah, they yeah. refer to the day of the, but then we realised that that was too silly. Yeah. So we got rid of that. Yeah, I mean, it was too far down another tonal path that yeah. it would confuse a little more than it would amuse. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so the first draft of the film, I mean, you know, spoiler alerts if you haven't seen it, uh, but they do, they do just swim out and that's it. And they just keep going and that's the end. And, uh, and you, you sort of just review... Oh. And there's the other version where only one survived. And yes. the other didn't. It was more of a mercy killing. Yes. That was also an option. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, let, let's, let's wind things back a little bit. Yes. How did this collaboration get going? How did you and Krista decide to make this film together? Uh, well, we met at Sundance Film Festival in 2012. Yeah. We were queuing for a film, uh, was it? Safety Not Guaranteed. Yeah, Safety Not Guaranteed, which we, didn't, we yeah. didn't get into. We didn't get into. Because the queue was oh, too Oh, Safety... Actually, that's not true. I, I did, remember I did, that. I did see that at Sundance. It was another one we were, we were queuing for, because I did see that one at Sundance. Yeah. Because yeah, I watched it again recently to figure out, did I see it or was I queuing for it? And I saw it, because I had seen it before. <laughs> so... Well, we were queuing for a Something, film. yes. We did not get in. And, uh, and they, they, you know, queues at Sundance can be three hours. Oh, we my God. Yeah. We were online for hours. And, yeah. and, then they, and then we realized it was too long, and I sort of turned, turned to Krista, and I said, what do you do other than, uh, and please don't be an actor. And she said, I'm an actor. And I was like, oh, fuck. What else, what else do you do? And she said, well, I've, I row, I've rowed the Grand Canyon. I'm a river guide. And I was like, that's interesting. Let's talk about that. <laughs> So, yeah. We went to lunch and we, we started hatching plans for the Grand yeah. Canyon River movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We're still in pre-production for that one. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so we, we worked on that project for ages. We, you know, we've got a screenplay and we've got all sorts of bits and pieces attached for it. And Krista has been down the Grand Canyon three times. I've been to the Grand Canyon twice, but not on the water. And uh, that's all sort of, you know, in ready for the next stage. But we couldn't get, you know, that going and we had a look at another project uh, and then something happened in finance for me and I had this money uh, to make Black Cloud so I phoned up and I said let's make a film in America and she said yes. Heck yeah. Around <laughs> about, about two years ago we went over yeah. to Mount Shasta, North California yeah. uh, to do a recce or whatever you want to call it yeah. and we started you know checking out locations and, um, and we already had a script at that point but I tweaked a lot of the script to fit locations that we actually had Absolutely, and props yeah. that we found and things. We just went to as many locations as we possibly could. I used to live in Mount Shasta and then Martin used to work to the east of the mountain a long time ago and so we both have this connection with the area uh, and so we both just leveraged everything we had in that area and people really showed up and helped us and, and so we were able to do the first half of the film in, in Shasta and Northern California but then also Martin had met some folks from Montana who told him about an actual nuclear bunker 
in Montana. So we also went and did a location scout in Montana and checked out uh, that and other locations and we realized it would be good for the movie to shoot in both locations. So mm. we started planning for that. Okay. So from that initial trip, how long did it take to then get to the actual shooting phase of things? Uh, I don't remember the exact dates, but um, my, a friend of mine, Brooke DeRosa and Jim, got married in Malibu. And I was like, this is a, a perfect excuse yeah. to be in Malibu. It was and early then, September 2017. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so, so when their wedding was over, I went north up to meet yeah. Krista in uh, Mount Shasta. We had gone a few days earlier. Yeah. To just get the office rolling. That's it, and we had yeah. only two and a half or three weeks pre-production, and then we started shooting. Yeah. I think it was like the 21st of September or something. Exactly, yeah, I think I got there on the 20th. Yeah, and then um, uh, we shot, I don't know, I can't remember. The, how we had 15 like, days in 15 Shasta, days. 15 days then in Montana. We did a road trip between yeah. Shasta and Montana, and then we had one day in Malibu for the opening shot. Yeah, which we did at the end. At the end, yeah. We, um, yeah. we met down there with the, most uh, many of our actors came from Los Angeles, so we met them back down there afterward after they had gone home. And it was sensible to do the opening scene at the end because it meant all the actors... Krista, Ron Roger, and Andrea Sweeney Blanco have had met, you see, so they would have that chemistry and, and look like a family unit rather than, hello, who are you? I've never met you before. You can see that in an actor's yeah. face and they haven't had a chance to, to meet or rehearse with the actor they're working with before. Right. If that makes sense. Cool. So, how long did um, like the actual shooting process kind of take, like the initial, without the reshoots or anything like that? Uh, well, uh, I think it was like Krista said, it was three weeks in California, then we went over to um, Montana, then okay. three weeks over there. I think actual shooting days were 25 in the primary photography, principal yeah. photography, yeah. Because we have to have a day off every now and then, just like <laughs> anyone else. Every <laughs> now and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were there any kind of edits to the script while shooting? Like, did you kind of improv any scenes or is it pretty much to the script? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I think that actors are an integral part of the screenplay, to be quite honest. I think, you know, you write the screenplay and I have a couple of script editors who I've worked with before, Paul Kidd, uh, who's a lovely chap, lives in Australia, and Laura Spooner, and between the three of us and Krista, of course, we worked on that script very hard and we had several versions of it. Uh, until we got them, but obviously, you know, at the end of the day, our script has to fit our budget. We can't uh, have something that we can't afford to do because on the set it just won't work. And then once we'd done the uh, reconnaissance uh, or the recce, uh, we we sort of locked down. This scene's going to take place in this location, and this scene's going to take place in that location. And we did a lot of that. And then when we're on set, working with the actors, you quickly find out which actors are great at improv and they might suggest something like Christina De Rosa is just an yeah. absolute delight to work with uh, and she would suggest stuff and, and most of the time I'd say that's brilliant, let's have it. Right. And then William Mark McCulloch came along when we were in Montana. He plays and DJ. He plays DJ uh, Apocalypso mm -hmm. and he's just a, a delight again and his, his energy on set is brilliant and you know and you just think I want to give him more screen time so mm. actually we, we gave him a little bit more to do Yes. And a few more lines, yes. you know. If it, oh, sorry, if, we, if we'd known how brilliant he was at the script writing stage, you know, who knows what would happened? But you just don't know, do you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same with Ron Roger, who played Sam, my husband. Brilliant. Yeah, everybody was. And then when we got to Shasta, when we had Andrea Sweeney Blanco, 
who played Susie and Jesus Lloveras, who played Joe. You know, we sat down and we did a, a read through to really get each of those characters, you know, mm. had little tweaks where if it didn't feel quite like how we would say it, or maybe Gene Martin would allow us to, you know, we'd run ideas past to shift it so it would feel like really natural to each of us. And that was great. And so that, those were just like little minor things. And because then, Jesus is uh, from Barcelona and Spanish is his first language. I mean, his English is fantastic. But he would say, that's not how I would say something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would change it so it felt yeah. better when you're exactly. saying it. And, but other things, not just dialogue, like Andrea said to me that with her character, she's always got that little hat on with the, <laughs> the red hat with the skull. Yeah. But then at the end, she wakes up, she's like Sleeping Beauty with all her hair right. lying around her. And then her hat never comes back on. And it's like she's metamorphosized. It's like she's turned into this butterfly. butterfly yeah. Yeah. So she actually changes physically. I know it's only just taking a hat off. But visually, it makes a difference because she's got this huge mane. Because yeah, it really is a story of, of, a, of a young woman trying to grow up, in, but in the shadow of her mother, because yeah. it's the post-apocalypse and we have to stick together. But really, she shouldn't be spending this much time with her mama. <laughs> it's probably it's really frustrating yeah. at that point for her to not be able to, you know, spread yeah. wings. <laughs> you, you definitely notice that difference at the end when it's like she's fully embracing the final situation you know because yeah. Uh, yeah at the beginning she's fully you know team mum yeah. and then she there's that kind of shift but then you see her come back when right. there's the whole Family lake business and enough. yes yeah. so it was it, yeah it was definitely nice seeing that little kind of like yeah. circle kind of situation right. happen and then finding out how, you know, when Martin came up with the idea, like how would it, when he, he decided to end it on the up as opposed to a down, mm. the written end, um, you know, how to create that into something that's really co-creative, bringing it back to what we were discussing before, um, how, you know, DJ shows back up, but it's really, you know, we've affected him. Yes. Now he's going to affect us, so it isn't like who's saving who, like we're saving each other. Yes. It's very, yeah, 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 oh, very yeah. much about the community. Yeah, I mean, that's an, because, yeah, because I think that's a thing because a lot of times in life, you know, like when we need help with something, you kind of help the other person in turn as well. So it's not always just this person is saving this person. It's right. kind of that joint, but you don't usually see it. Right. You know, like when it's in films and things like that, a lot of times it's this person has saved this person rather yeah. than it's kind of a two-way street. Right, who saved who first? Who's, yeah. running, who's running the show? We're going to run it together. Mm. Also, also, you know, the film is, is primarily led by Krista's character, uh, Kate, and, you know, obviously she's a woman, so it's a, she's making all the decisions, she's leading it, and the woman is leading it. We didn't want, right at the end, her to be saved by a man. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just yeah, want yeah, the yeah. male to come over and go, I'm in charge now, and yeah. that doesn't yeah. happen, because we just didn't want her to be saved like a damsel in distress. Mm. At the end, mm. yes, he saves their lives, but she then takes them to the next level, which is mm. team up with the people of the stairs. Yeah, the other good people that we've met along the way, even though I judged them as being maybe a little crazy yeah. when I met them, <laughs> but they're actually the most lovely people I've met in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Chris, how did you, like, did, was there any sort of process that you used to get into that isolation kind of mindset for the scenes when you're on your own and you're trying to kind of show the whole 
kind of I'd say deterioration of kind of self, as it were. Uh, I, I love to use music, so especially because I was producing at the same time too, and so I, I I would you know try not to jump my brain out too much in the middle you know middle of the course of a shooting shooting day. But sometimes you know you have to address things that come up, mm. and so I would really use music to get me right back in the zone. Or if if you know we had extra time to shoot something, I remember one of the most emotional scenes. Suddenly we were going to shoot it in ten minutes, and I was like, okay. So, but I, I just had, had, you know, I have soundtracks for different parts of the script ready, and I'm like ready to kind of drop into different places, and so I, I always had in my little green bag I carry around, I always had my music right in there, so if I needed to like top up, I'd just listen, and it would get me right into my emotional state, and then I would just kind of let it go and go for it. That's really interesting. I, I don't think I've heard that before. Huh. So Helen Mirren, who was it? Is it Helen Mirren who said she uses music a lot? Some, yeah, I've heard other actresses talk about using music and soundtracks. I, I use music well. when I'm writing. You know, if writing, I'm writing yeah. an action scene, I put fast, heavy music on, and then if I'm doing something really sad, I put something a little bit tear jerkery on. Right, right, exactly. Because it helps get your brain into the right mm. vibe. your emotional body yeah. right away, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Like, how is the process on set? You know, with the whole, you know, it's your di- Martin, you're directing, Chrissy, you're producing. You produced too. And, yeah, so how... Like, who lead? So, if you're in a scene, does Martin then lead on the producing, or like, how does that work? Well, we sort of we sort of spend all night producing, yeah. And then when we get on to set in the morning, like, like we're sort of starting at half past seven. Yeah, we had a good team that we could hand tasks yeah. off to. They were they were ready to like take yeah. over during the day to like field everything and set things up, and then we would come in and mm. troubleshoot it after the shooting day. At yeah, because we had, we had a brilliant first AD, Levi Anderson, who's mm-hmm. just totally mega. And Rose, our second AD, who yeah, was also our production right. manager, she exactly. was fantastic. Exactly. So, you know, there's so much to do at the end of the day. You, yeah. get, you finish shooting, you get back to the office, work, 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 have something, right. you go to sleep at the end, yeah. and then you start again. But when I'm on set, I try really hard just to be the director on set, because there's so much to do. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, the most important thing is good rushes. Mm-hmm. And if your rushes are bad because you've spent an hour doing producing paperwork, exactly. yeah. you, you should, you've just got you bad got rushes. You know. Yeah, there's no, you can't, you can't have it. <laughs> but we had great, we had such a great team. We yeah. just enjoyed the process from beginning to end because we had such a fantastic cast and crew. Mm. It was a joy. It was, yeah. They were all a joy to work with. Yeah. Ah, nice. And like, so you've shot one day. So the next day, how does, how do you get people in the mood? Do you like play? a little bit of the previous scenes you know set the tone like what what how does it kind of work well i mean i uh, like that idea but yeah, yeah, we are just no. thinking that's a good idea <laughs> 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 well funny enough at the end when we because uh, we shot in america and then we had to shoot a little bit in the uk mm-hmm. uh, just for a few days uh pick up uh, well for natural reasons really yeah. for, for uh, uk yeah. film tax credit purposes mm-hmm. uh uh each night we'd film and then we'd sit everyone in the lounge, all the crew were staying in this big house mm. in Oxford and we'd put the rushes up on the TV and we watched all the rushes through each night. Yeah, that, 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 that was that really good, that I really enjoyed good. that. Yeah. But you can only do that if everyone's in the same space and you've got time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. If you've got time. Yeah, because when we're in USA, we just did in the evening. We, we had, had a div- yeah, we had to divide and conquer the tasks in the US, yeah. and so I would be doing something else. He'd be watching them, but I didn't have time to go really watch them. I mean, I'd, I'd be or, watching the rushes yeah. on my computer at 3 a.m. I know. I had and to go then, to sleep then, so I wouldn't get sick. <laughs> and then getting up at 
5.30 and stuff like yeah. that is bonkers. But luckily, yeah. when we're in California, uh, um, Krista here has a friend called Joyce who let us stay in her house and she has a fantastic, yeah, Victory. beautiful, uh, yeah, sort of split-level, Western-style wooden ranch. Yeah. Oh. And we and I, I had you know I was, I was really chuffed I had my own room I know. <laughs> I didn't have to share <laughs> the little things in life you know. I, to, I, didn't to, yeah, I didn't have to sleep on a sofa on, know. A, on a chair you know in Montana we did but <laughs> in California we were totally dialed yeah, in Montana I had to share a room that's yeah. funny yeah. Yeah. okay so what for you was like probably the hardest like most stressful part of this whole process uh, well I mean you know the, the obvious answer is the money because finding and raising money is really tough it takes a hell of a long time you have to deal with a lot of people you don't want to deal with it's very 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 stressful you know I, I really hate doing it to be quite honest uh, and then of course halfway through the film when we were in Montana Barclays Bank very kindly count all my credit cards because they detected fraudulent activity in Montana and I found them up and I said that's me oh my it's God. not fraud it's me <laughs> but then, by then they disconnected all my cards and closed everything down so yeah. we lost half a day's filming it was a total nightmare we were just like emptying our personal accounts of every ounce of cash we could access to close all my assets keep the machine moving oh my god that sounds so that, that was, was horribly insane. horribly <laughs> I was on the phone for three hours from on a mobile phone from yeah. Montana to London so Oof. that phone was very yeah, that was tough. Yeah. But um, hey, thanks, Barclays. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, one of the most stressful points was uh, the trip from California to Montana because we were just looking to get there. Mm. And um, just the way it worked out in terms of who felt comfortable driving the Sprinter. We had a, a friend of mine uh, gave us a sweet deal on a Sprinter so we could fit a lot of us and our gear in it. And um, But there were just two of us to drive it. And so uh, it was so far. It seemed like it was just going to be a 12-hour trip, but it took like 25 hours. 20, 25 hours. 25 hours. Oh. <laughs> we got there in the morning. I think I cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and lots of people did driving, like Jesus drove. Christopher oh, everyone drove. drove. Yeah, just that was just yeah. that vehicle. We had yeah. three other cars yeah. that were driving, and so they had because their drivers were also alternating, and so it was I mean, just everyone called. Everyone, yeah, we had a convoy. We had a convoy. <laughs> it was everyone Driving through the night. Yeah, it, was awesome. <laughs> it was such a throwdown across the board, yeah. yeah. It we, was drove, <laughs> we drove all the way through the state of Idaho, yeah. and as we arrived at Idaho, the sun was setting, and as we left, the sun was rising, so we never saw it. Idaho is so beautiful. Oh, my. So, once you finished shooting, yes. how you know, what was your pr- ah, what was your process with post-production? Well, uh, we finished round about Halloween, uh, and uh, I had to go back, had a meeting in LA, so I had to fly back quick, pretty quickly, which is a shame, because I'd have liked to have hung around and mm-hmm. said goodbye properly and everything. And then I went back to England, and uh, I had always edited on Final Cut 7, and Final Cut 7 is obviously dead, uh, and I had to transfer to Premiere Pro, and I found it all very confusing, and I edited it on my own, uh, and it was really tough, and I was having a total nightmare uh, and uh, so I did a, a, a conversion course in Soho I had to pay to do this course to uh, spend a couple of days teaching me how to learn Premiere Pro which is very good and then we have a friend in LA called Maxim uh, who was really helpful and, and because he was in LA I was literally you know messaging him at 5am saying I'm about to have a total meltdown can you tell me which key I need to press <laughs> and he would text me back and say press that key and, uh, and it really saved the process but the conversion from Final Cut 7 to Premiere Pro for me was not that easy it took me about three months to get the hang of it 
So I was very, very behind schedule on the edit and quite demoralised really when Christmas came around. And um, but then after that, I sort of got into the stride of oh, it. Oh, you got into it, yeah. Yeah, and I was editing every single day because luckily I was unemployed, so that was good. <laughs> uh, so I was editing every single day. I'd, I'd get up, go for a walk, and then start editing, and I'd edit all the way through to till two a.m. and then I'd start again. And then I sent Krista every time I had a, a significant chunk of it done. I'd just upload it to Vimeo, send Krista the link so she could watch it. She'd send me notes, uh, and then we'd I'd do another version. And then we just kept on going, and um, I don't know, where was it, March, January, February, March? Around about March, I suppose, we probably had the first first cut of it. And uh, my friend, Kenny yeah. Franklin, who's an absolute genius, was doing all our VFX, and he's up in Manchester, and he was sort of sending us shots as he did them, mm-hmm. and, uh, and little bits of music here and there, popping them in, and Krista... Uh, um, Chris, um, Brooke? Uh, Brooke DeRosa, sorry, yeah. too many DeRosas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, Brooke and Page, and Page yeah, yeah, we're doing bits of music uh, for yeah, our score. Composers, yeah, the majority of the, of the score. Yeah, so bits come in Fantastic. from all over, and, and Method Studios by my friend Steve Garrett in Vancouver did some shots, and CineSite did some shots, and Territory Studios did a shot for us. Uh, and so coordinating all that post production was quite tricky to get these things in from all over mm. the world in the right format and aspect ratios and stuff, uh, and then dropping them in. So it was a, it was a it was a ton of work, you know, if I ever do it again, it'd be lovely to have a post-production supervisor, but, you know, hey, you know, if wishes were horses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when um, Martin was sending you, like, footage, mm-hmm. what, were you, what are you looking for when you're viewing it? Like, what's uh, your input that into that kind yeah, of process? Mostly just trying to keep focused on story. Is, is the, what story is coming through? What's the story being told? Is the story coming through? You know, trying to leave the uh, the decisions on which acting takes to him. Mm-hmm. I was consciously not trying to like, you know, move into my actor brain to be like, Ew, <laughs> 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 you know, like, no, that's not my job right now. Like that's his job, and so just really looking for, um, you know, is, is the is the is the rough guts got less and less rough, and the and the joints between you know the cuts got you know more and more oiled and tighter and tighter and tighter. It just started really coming together. And we um, experimented with cutting some scenes and putting some scenes back, and and yeah, we've even done that through um, this winter. We've uh, yeah, we've I think we're finally to the final the final yeah. version. Like we're happy with you know, some recent little tweaks, and now it's really, uh, yeah okay yeah. Uh, and the score, like when you found the people that you wanted to do the score. Yes. What's the process there? Do you like? Do you send them like we want music like this, or do you send them just go? Okay, so I, we want the soundtrack to invoke these feelings to go up in these points. Yeah. Like what? How do you communicate a vision to? Well, uh, obviously, when you're when you're editing a film, you need to put temporary sound into to sort of indicate the mood, or if you're cutting to a particular beat, like the fights are quite fast. So you just need a little bit of. Music because if you watch a, uh, an edit without any music on, it always seems incredibly slow. Right, yeah, right. People are going to start giving slow. you feedback like, ah, yeah, it's too slow, it's too slow. Okay. The feedback is going to be skewed because the music's going to change so much. Exactly. Yeah. So you, but you, yeah. so you try to choose music which, the, the, although the music will change completely, the yeah. tempo is the same. And I had a Gears of War soundtrack, and I also really liked Mad Max Fury Road. So I was just nicking bits out of that and popping them in the soundtrack, uh, just for my editing purposes. Mm. So Krista and I could see the music. 
but when I sent it to uh, Brooke and Paige, I took all the music off, so as, as far as I know, I could be wrong, uh, Brooke will tell me, but when I sent it to them, I don't think it had any music on it at all, because I didn't want to influence them, I just said, yeah. you know, you, you're the music guys, what do you think? And then they started sending me stuff, and I would say, yeah. yes, no, or I don't like it. And most, I mean, because, you know, this is the fourth film that Brooke and Paige and I have done. Yeah. So we have, we, you know, and they're lovely people and we like talking. Yeah. Mm. So that, so they already know what I'm going to like and what yeah, I'm going to Yeah, yeah. You know, if they're going to put it in a, you know, uh, cello and jazz, I'm probably going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that could have worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we did the whole thing on the glockenspiel, <laughs> I, think, I think it might not work. Hey, I, I think that moment when we see the, the bang reflection in the glasses, a little, a little glockenstein there. <laughs> we could have done it all on the triangle. <laughs> so, so, yes, and then, you know, we talk on the phone, I mean, on the Skype, and uh, yeah. uh, and then I was in LA anyway, so we had a chat, we met up and everything. Um, but they send stuff over, and, and it's great, and I'll just say, you know, uh, faster, slower, um, more, more, more glockenspiel, less glockenspiel, <laughs> more maracas, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and that's it, really. And there was only one cue, music cue, where I think it went back about six times. I sent it back six times until it came right. And even then, I wasn't happy, and we finished the film, and then I got them to do it again. So after, yeah. after we screened in stitches, we redid we, we one cue. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm very pleased with the music. Yeah, I love it. People, and we have... Uh, Little bits from other bands. The opening song is the Bohemian Embassy. And I, I I really thought the, that yeah. song really worked. Yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? It was kind of it was like upbeat. Yeah. It was fun, and then suddenly, so it was like it really helped to kind of show that yeah. kind of flip a position mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, no, that was yeah, that was fun. That was, yeah. You, yeah, and the opening song is called Fifty More Songs to Write. And if you listen to the lyrics. The singer's actually saying, I've got 50 more songs to write. And then, of course, in terms of the film, that the, they yeah. never get to do anything more because the society and civilization has collapsed. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's a song all about wanting to do stuff. Yeah, and not yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting yeah. around to it. Tends to. Yeah, it's working. <laughs> there's yeah. a reason it's in the film. Absolutely, uh, there's a reason. Uh, for uh, it. <laughs> okay, so that's yeah. great. So you premiered yesterday. Yeah. And... What was it like? What was it like being in the screen and seeing the reactions and the people around you? Were they like? How did you think of that, those reactions, like closest to you at that moment in time? Well, I mean, you know, my my films tend to have some comedy in them, and it's all because I I wrote them, so I know yeah. when the joke's coming, I can feel the joke coming, and then it, the joke hits, and if people laugh. Or react in a positive way, you know uh, that you you were successful. And if you know if someone pu gets punched in the face, and everyone goes ooh, and if there's a jump, <laughs> everyone goes ah, yeah. then you know you've hit the nail on the head. And that's very satisfying because it means as a filmmaker you have succeeded in what you set out to do. Mm. Uh, so that's good. And also, you know, and the Prince Charles is a great cinema. It has a lovely atmosphere, and the projection was really good, and the sound was really good. So just from a technical point of view, it, it's a great relief because you know showing your film to the, the public is, is a little bit terrifying because it can go wrong, the sound can yeah. go wrong, which mm. is before, the film can be projected yeah. in the wrong aspect ratio, which happened yeah. before, the film can stop halfway through, which happened before, no. <laughs> all these things are, you know, they're giving you a, a heart attack. Yeah. Uh, so so the, the fact that it, 
the, just the technical side of it is a great relief, and it's a yeah, and you know, Sci-Fi London they're always a very positive audience. Oh, delightful! I mean, it was such a smooth showing last night. Was, yeah, yeah. I appreciated it. I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I felt like it was well received. I feel like people were enjoying it, and they laughed more and more as the f- they felt more and more comfortable with the places yeah. where. It was okay to laugh. It's, it's almost like it takes people a little bit of time within the movie to feel like, okay, yeah, this is yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Intended. Yes, no, that that's the yeah. thing. So yeah, like I yeah, I was like, oh, am I am I laughing? Like, can I laugh? Like, what's the? And then you yeah, you get you on. Then you're like, right, okay, yes, I'm on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So that that was great. So what happens now? Uh, well, right now, uh, our sales agent has the film in Cannes at the, mm-hmm. at the market, at the film festival. So the film is up for sale. We've, uh, we've picked up a couple of territories, uh, which is fantastic, North America and China. So that's very uh, exciting. We're still trying to find a buyer in the UK, but I'm sure that's going to happen quite soon because uh, all my other films got picked up. So, uh, uh, yeah, and then, then eventually the film will come out on all the usual, in usual places and hopefully people will watch it. Yeah. Splendid, and all right. So that that will be Black Flowers done. Yeah. And then when do you like? How much break do you take before you think? All right, next project. None. None. We've been trying, we've been pushing for the next project since last October. <laughs> <laughs> since the premiere and since the world premiere, we we went to Mipcom right away. Sort of. Yeah. Pitching new material. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, takes time. We got to get this ball rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so, any, um, yeah, so, yeah, is anything kind of like this is the next one or is it still between a few things? We got, we got, I think we got about three or four front runners, uh, but prop, the one we're sort of most focused on is Alice on Mars, which is Alice in Wonderland Goes to Space. So, she's been to Wonderland, she's been through the Looking Glass, and now she's going to Mars, Space 1888. Oh. <laughs> based on the book by Robert Rankin so that's it's a lot of fun the script is written been for a lot of development it's very funny yeah it's very funny it's, and, it's uh, a sci-fi comedy okay yeah great do you like budget wise as much as we can get we're looking to take a leap forward uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean the thing is you know uh, it's great making the films we make, but, but each time you do a film, just like any athlete or artist, you want to move to the next level mm. after you've achieved something. So yeah, I yeah. Like, I feel we've earned the next level. I feel like we're making quality material, so mm. I feel like we've earned the next level. We just have to get yeah. the right partners. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, um, I was speaking to some directors recently, and we're, because we're currently kind of in flux, yes. like some of the European like budgets might not be on the table, yes. how much does that affect what you do? Uh, well, uh, we're not really looking for any money in Europe anymore because it's all over, it's dead, the oh. end. Yeah, so we're looking, we're looking for America and that's it really, I think, and other countries. But uh, we are, you know, the film industry in the UK uh, is in a terrible, terrible, the independent one is in a terrible, terrible state, the worst state it's ever been in for reasons I don't particularly care to talk about right now because people will hate me. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, no, that, you know I me, mean, that, yeah, yeah, I can completely um, understand. Like, well, before um, we go, is there any chance of this screening in the um, 
BFI London Film Festival? Will you be putting it? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think they will take it because they only take premieres. So I don't, right. think, I don't think we can even apply, unfortunately, mm-hmm. even though we'd love them to show it. Yes, we would. We'd absolutely love They're it. They're listening and they'd like to make an exception. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're available. <laughs> well, fantastic. Look, thank you very much for your time, Martin and Krista. Thank you so much, really honey. appreciate it. And yeah, enjoy the film. So, people, if you see it screening anywhere near you, definitely go and see it. And um, when you know when it's been picked up, yes. let me know and I'll uh, put it out in the podcast. Spread the word. Thank yes. you. Thanks, Kevin. Cheers. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Well, I hope you um, enjoyed that and yeah found it informative all right so tomorrow sci-fi london continues and you know they will be showing um we've got a short program of um some really fantastic short films that hey i highly recommend you come down and check out there's sci-fi, sci-fido, that's right by the Prince Charles Cinema. That's taking place from 2 p.m. At 3 p.m. at the Prince Charles Cinema is Alien, Ob- Alien Addiction. And that's, again, a UK premiere and a Q&A with the director. Um... And then at 6pm, there's the UK premiere and Q&A of Accelerator. Um, And I highly recommend that film as well. So remember, there is four blocks of short films. They will be at the Stratford Picture House. Sci-Fido at 2pm. At the Prince Charles. Oh, you know what? Actually, let me. So, block one of the short starts at 12.30. Block two starts at 4.40. Block three at 4.50. And block four at 6.55. So, at. 2 p.m. is Sci-Fido at the Prince Charles. At 3 p- 3.30 p.m. P- of course, it's p.m. Alien Addiction at the Prince Charles. Then at 6 p.m. at the Prince Charles, Accelerator. And at 9 p.m., Shed of the Dead. World premiere with a Q&A at the Stratford Picture House. So, um, yeah, come, watch, enjoy. You will have an awesome time. And, you know, if you haven't, um, you know, had a chance to take part, Hackstock is um, on its last day. So go to the Sci-Fi London website. Put your name down, register, get a slot, come down to Hackstock, enjoy a 
crazy VR experience. You will not be disappointed. So, yeah, tomorrow, Saturday, um, the 18th, we've got the full program. Uh, yeah, on this, on Sunday, the 19th, again, there are um, a host of films. So, um, at 1.30 at the Stratford Picture House, the UK premiere of Chasing Einstein, and there will be a... Um, a a Q&A. Short program 2 starts at 2.45 at Stratford Picture House. At quarter past 3 is Magic and that's the UK, prim- UK premiere and that's at the Prince Charles Cinema. At um, 4.50 is Artist depiction UK premiere that's at the Stratford Picture House um, The Last Sunrise is having its UK premiere at the Prince Charles Cinema at 5.25 Short Program 3 will be at 6.40 at the Stratford Picture House and at 8.30 at the Prince Charles Cinema is the UK premiere of The Final Land and there will be a Q&A. So yeah, people, come down, enjoy. And um, listen, the full programme is on the Sci-Fi London website. There will, you know, there'll be films and shorts playing Um, All the way till Wednesday the 22nd. So, uh, yeah, come, enjoy. You will have a blast. All right, see you soon.